Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. I'm Olivia Agar. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 197. The cattle markets continued to rebound and we're talking to Andrew Hoskin from Hoskin Stock and Land today to drive into some of the driving factors like how the season's progressing, what markets are performing well and some of the opportunities for growth. Before we do jump into the episode though, here are a few highlights from the markets this week. The wool market returned from the winter recess with a large offering and it really struggled to digest the added bales that were on offer and we saw prices soften. The Australian dollar is also higher than before the recess, so that no doubt played on demand as well. The grain market has found some support in the last week as solid US export demand has helped to arrest the slide. The flow of grain out of Ukraine has been a major development across markets and it's one factor that's likely to set the direction of prices in the coming months. It's also given that macroeconomic picture a bit of breathing room as well. I'll leave it there for this week. Enjoy the episode with Andrew Hoskin and Robert Herman. Meridian Agriculture is a multidisciplinary specialist consultancy established by Dr. Mike Stevens. Meridian 16 consultants spread across six locations in New South Wales and Vic employ an evidence-based scientific approach to farming and a personalised manner with their clients. Meridian specialises in improving both financial and operational aspects of farming enterprises and guiding families through the often difficult transition of succession planning. Head to their website, meridian-ag.com.au, to learn more. Well, thank you. Thanks, Liv, and uh, welcome back, Hosco. It's great to uh, be talking to you again. I know it was a while ago, a lot's happened. Um, let's just start off with a little bit of setting the scene, um, Andrew. It set the scene as to how things are looking in the north in, re- in relation to the cattle business. We're very fortunate. We've seen a few years of some of the best prices ever. Um, on, on a physical basis, we've seen many areas get uh, good rains or um, a good start. Still, I'd still say it's a little bit patchy, but uh, at the same time, there's a lot of areas that are very, very good. And uh, the market's sort of uh, putting uh, a confidence into the breeders, as witnessed uh, at all the different bull sales and everything at the moment, and the demand for females. There's probably just a few uh, negatives hanging over the the cattle market, but uh, by and large, it's kept trading pretty well. So, Andrew, what I'm hearing is that you're saying, well, the the breeders are taking a long-term positive view in in investing in genetics and in their cow herd. Um, We know the market, though, especially in the north, has been really driven strongly since the drought broke by restocker activity. What's the situation there? Is that still strong or is it sort of running to the end of its um, of the of the herd builder? So a couple of things there. When we comment over the last few years, I'd be inclined to say that if you broke down buyers against who they were delivering into and who their relationships with, we probably haven't seen as bigger uh, rebuild as um, perhaps uh, people imagine. A lot of those cattle were going into programs and geared for markets. Yeah. By the same token, there's also an awful lot of females being retained. The further north you go, they're more inclined to breed their way back rather than uh, buy their way back. New South Wales, well, I think we've seen cattle come from uh, 
more places and more varied areas than we've ever seen. You've seen a, a big change in the in the the cattle herd right across um, New South Wales in particular. There's a lot more uh, finer skin cattle, humpy cattle that have been coming in for a trading option. We've we've had a very very good start to this year, but I would uh, point out that there's quite a few areas that sort of have had probably a little bit too much as they went into winter. And the cattle have probably stalled. The lambs are looking a bit washed out. Uh, a bit of warm weather on their back and uh, a bit of time for those cattle to catch up and for those lambs to continue doing. Um, but it's certainly way better than uh, where we were a couple of years ago and what America's going through in all their um, Western states at present. Yes, that's right. And the old saying, Andrew, is that you know, there's, there's money in mud. And we certainly know that with some of the tough seasons we had. I just want to uh, pick you up on a point you made there, and, and it's something that's interesting. We know that far north cattle country is quite unique, and, and you made the point that they're more likely to breed up than, than buy cattle back in after a drought. Can you just explain how that breeding uh, program might influence their numbers? What sort of pace can they get? How quickly can they build up numbers in those far north that far north area? Oh, the sheer volume of the cattle uh, allows it to happen reasonably quickly. Um, they'll have bulls in uh, on an ongoing basis and uh, do their rounds and their musters. It just becomes a part of business. Uh, you're probably seeing in some of the areas uh, a bit closer in where uh, they've gone away from that old traditional bullock that'll have an awful lot of teeth. And uh, there's been a big push for a lot of the cattle to come out at sort of four and a half to 500 kilos into the feedlots which has been uh, profitable. Equally, uh, you're seeing the heifers being rejoined and going back in. Not as much as, as, as I think the media has portrayed, but uh, certainly uh, there's um, still uh, a rebuild happening. You look at the female numbers killed uh, by some of the MLA statistics, and uh, I don't think there's a big enough gap for them to be able to say that there's any huge rebuild. Mm. Um, the, the costs and the the margins for the feedlotters and the fatness is an awful lot of heifers that have been geared towards um, trade weights and uh, that sort of thing rather than uh, they're still going through the system but going through as a slaughter beast rather than uh, hung on to. Now we're, we're sitting here today talking on commodity conversations with Andrew Hoskin and we really appreciate your inserts, insights into the north because I'm sitting here in Ballarat and I've got to tell you it's anything but conducive to growing pasture cattle sheep or anything in fact uh, I think everything's going to shrink a bit on a day like today you're in Tamworth and we know that's a, that's a famous city but further north we're seeing you know increasing numbers of cattle come onto the market and they're actually heading it seems like you know the southern processes are heading up there and getting them is that what you're seeing yeah so to put that in context as uh, in the winter every year um, as the numbers come off in your areas uh, what is it, the wind blowing over Lake Wenderoo sort of thing? <laughs> um, I, I feel cold just thinking about it. Um, I, wish, I, but, I wish it was only just wind blowing over Lake Wenderoo today, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, uh, from that point of view, those cattle um, are coming forward, but we've seen no huge numbers. It's, it's, it's milder than down there, but it's still been a, a fairly wet and difficult start to get any weight into the cattle. 
anyone who bought early wieners and you always try and get going as early as you can, well, uh, for them to get a margin out of them, they've probably got to hang on to them for a bit longer yet. So we're still going to see that um, coming through. Yes, and I think um, that's why we're seeing in the prime markets that that the that the demand has stayed strong because the supply of quality cattle to slaughter is is difficult. I just want to talk a little bit about the market and uh, and get your views on this, Andrew. We um, we're seeing the market quite volatile. The, the lamb market especially got knocked around a lot, um, and I and I think we're seeing that part of that is a lack of confidence from buyers and and based on you know the fmd issue uh, people getting worried about that is is that your take on it or what are you thinking i think uh, what we have to do to get a real feel for the market over the last couple of years um, as it's gone up and gone down is uh, break it down even further than uh, what we're talking here the processes have struggled and been crying um, their margins for quite some time the, uh, the producers with grass coming out of the drought have just been an unbeatable force mm. um, on anything, and, and that's obviously driven the market. They've cooled off a bit between FMD and, and the winter, um, so it's steadied down. The processes are still poking along, bearing in mind that they've also had a hell of a lot of pressure on them in maintaining staffing numbers to keep their kills going, to get containers to get the beef out, or the lamb out, as well as the shocks that we read about in the papers uh, that are happening overseas. So, uh, yes, it's it's uh, it's squared up a little bit, but I think it's probably uh, uh, healthy that the um, processors and the feedlotters can sort of just uh, square up a little bit at the moment um, before we do have any big rebuild or numbers come out in the spring. At this stage, that even with the increased buyers up here, the numbers are still winter markets. You know, there was 200 cattle in Tamworth. There were mm. 350 or 400 in Gunnedah. Go further north and uh, auctions plus will be back quite a few um, and the marketplaces are sort of people rushed in after the end of the financial year, get a few cattle out, make a bit of space, take advantage of the market. But uh, if you're talking volume numbers that seriously impact upon it, they're not there. Yeah. Now you mentioned feedlotting, and I'm I'm intrigued with the feedlotting industry. We know that there is a lot of cattle on feed. It's a it's a really strong number, especially when you think about the prices they've had to pay for those those feeder cattle and the price of grain. Um, but also, we know Andrew that for the first time in the last couple of quarters, the number of slaughter stock um, that the coming out of feedlots has been greater than the number coming off pasture. So more than 50% of the slaughter stock are coming off feedlots. That's a really strong pointer to the future. Is is that likely to stay in your view or is this just sort of a short term while we're short of, of grass-fed stock? Oh, no. Um, it, it, it's a strong part of the marketplace that people need to be familiar with and gear their way through. And certainly we've seen cows, we've seen... Uh, off types be fed for differing markets. I keep coming back to brands and end users mm -hmm. as the driver. There'll be some blokes feeding Frisians, others feeding Wagyus. Uh, you've seen cows go on feed. It really is a case of, well, what can we utilise and what can we take advantage of? Um, so it's a um, fluid market. We'll keep, uh, keep growing, keep changing. It has its place in the mix. 
there's a lot of money spent by the processors and uh, and end users in uh, creating and marketing their brands and uh, you know residencies are certainly a very big part of their sums you know they mightn't be going very well but if they do it over 10,000 head it makes it a little bit uh, more viable than doing it over 5,000 head so I don't think that's going to change by the same token what's also come into the marketplace that I think producers really want to get their head around is that there's uh, such a strong growth in that clean green grass fred market you're seeing supermarkets and uh, and domestic operators on top of the demand out of particularly the US for grass fed um, audited top cattle and it's a huge market and encompasses cows right down to milk teeth cattle and certainly you've seen some operators trim back their grain to try and utilize more grass because of the demand when we get back to um full capacity through the feedlots and abattoirs, well, it'll be interesting what happens then, whereas at the moment uh, where they're limited in how much they can do, uh, they're probably cherry-picking the differing parts that they can uh, keep going and keep supporting and uh, keep making money out of. Now, we were talking last week to your old mate Ron Rutledge, Andrew, and, um, and I'm hearing a similar theme here is that we know that markets are volatile. We know that there's people with concerns. And, and at this time of the year, it's a funny time of the year. It's the winter, as you point out. But when you start to dig into the facts and figures of it all, it just seems to me like there's a, a real positive outlook for red meat. And, and you know, it's the old story. There's, there's clouds on the horizon. But I'm hearing from you, Andrew, that... Um, you know, if the feedlots are making these investments and, and keeping their numbers up and the demand for grass fed, it doesn't look like a bad outlook for, for the cattle market. Everything comes in cycles. So we need to temper that. But yeah. uh, I also say that you, you look for the positives and try and uh, also pick what markets you can, can get in amongst. You're seeing um, an unprecedented dry through um, Western United States from top to bottom which is putting a huge uh, crack into their numbers and their mm. feedlot cattle are chock-a-block. So uh, we're not going to see any uh, price rises or extra demand in the short term because they've got them all going in on the feed. I'm of the opinion that autumn next year, um, as they've unloaded a few cattle and killed them off out of the way, people still have to eat. And I think that's when uh, we'll be able to take advantage and off the back of a what's shaping to be a pretty good spring is probably going to be advantageous to people. Of course, we also know that the US does cycle where they they destock when they're under pressure, but then they restock and that, that, that takes cattle out of the market as well. Yes, and uh, that's what we've seen here really, but we probably haven't had the regular experience that the Americans have had, um, but this drought that we've come out of was dreadful, but uh, there were still opportunities to trade. There were still opportunities to feed for, and uh, I think uh, it's shaping up very, very similar again now. We're going to see um, different categories that there's uh, good opportunities to get in amongst as um, people start to target what they want to do and where, where the market goes. I just want to go to a slightly different tack, Andrew. I know you keep a close eye on bull sales and um, and people's genetic programs. Just tell us a little bit about what you're seeing that the um, you know the, the 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 stock standard 
cow calf producer? I mean, what are they looking for? What are they doing? Uh, bull sales have been very strong this year, especially up your way. Bull sales have been extraordinarily strong, but equally, given what they've been getting for their wieners or for their turn-off bullocks and everything like that, it's probably uh, a good investment. Mm. You've seen very, very strong demand through um, uh, northern New South Wales, southern Queensland in particular for those higher quality um, flat mac type genetics, um, you know, Angus, uh, Hereford, um, the British breeds, Shorthorns. And I think you'll find that where there's more of those going back into Queensland in particular, they've sold a lot of cattle off through the drought. But uh, as they rebuild, I think they're starting to realise that some of these grass and uh, higher quality markets is where they need to be. And, uh, you know, if they're close to the boats or close to those markets, they're, they're investing into their um, Bosindicus cattle. But there's been a strong, strong push for those good quality genetics that open them up so that they can go back into the uh, the higher markets, the MSA, the grass, the uh, ones that um, uh, pay for quality. And, and that's a good thing for the whole industry because even as... Uh, there's more of those cattle become available and the price comes off a little bit, as you would expect. Uh, it's still leaving us in a stronger position with a national herd that's uh, moving forward. Absolutely. And um, while we talk about we talk about global meat exports, we talk about feedlots, we talk about background of wiener cattle, it all starts with the cow and calf and uh, you need to have those genetics. And uh, I think that's a really good... Um, um, bit of message that you're giving us that that those investments are being made. Andrew, as usual, um, you're a wealth of knowledge. You're very generous in your, your sharing it with Mercado uh, listeners. Thanks very much for coming on Commodity Conversations and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Mate, absolute pleasure and thank you very much. All the best to everyone with the market and, uh, and the season uh, and good luck. 